Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Chapel Hill. Hospitality is a gateway gift. Say that again. The gift of hospitality is a gateway gift. And uh, this ministry that's going out on the campus, yeah. and you can think, well, you know, I'm not that great in words of knowledge, and I've never cast a demon out, and not sure if I have the gift of healing, but if you've got the gift of hospitality, yeah. it attracts people. People feel safe. Yeah. And um, a lot of ways that some of the best ministry that I've ever seen happen happens you hold the mic- microphone close when you're nervous to your chest that way it doesn't shake uh, but, but i'm going to get over that in a minute um, some of the best kingdom ministry i have ever seen happens at a kitchen table yeah. amen yeah yeah kingdom stuff happens you know this this is not the kingdom kingdom stuff happens here um, this is the church which christ is building but all out there, y'all should be do and are doing kingdom work. Yeah. And it doesn't always just look like going into the nations and doing cool things. Yeah. Um, so um, put your hands. There's so many people standing up. This is so awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'll tell you what, if you're not standing up, go ahead and stand up. Because uh, <laughs> this, 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 it seems to be a place for... Um, I was going to have the people that were sitting put their hands on the few that stood up. Um, but I can see now why the Lord has uh, highlighted this. So if you weren't standing, if you don't mind, raising your, raise your hand and let these the people that were standing lay their hands on you for some impartation. Um, because we are commanded to be hospitable. Um, it, it's, it's a foundational gift of ministry. You, you hear that? You think, you think it's not that big a deal? It's a foundational gift. And it's a gateway gift. Um, everybody thinks it's cool to come to my house because of Lori. Um, and I do pretty good around a kitchen table. Um, so, Lord, I thank you for these. I thank you, Lord, for this... Uh, this hospitable place. Lord, I thank you that this is a, a church, Lord, that if you were if you were speaking to them, Lord, you would bless this. And I believe you are speaking to them. And in the name of Jesus, I bless and ask for increase of hospitality. Lord, that, uh, that, that it, it draws people. Lord, like, like honey draws. This, this place draws. And uh, as they go about, Lord, I, I pray for increase and for welcoming in to the kingdom of God through these people in Jesus' name. Um, let's see. I saw some other stuff, too. Uh, let's see. I saw the water. Uh, I saw the presence. I saw the hospitality. Uh, you know, when you... You know, underneath your sink, you've got uh, 
the trap, mm -hmm. right? And in just uh, through no fault of our own, just the daily, uh, just daily life, you're washing plates, you're rinsing out cups, there's no fault of your own, just living. That trap can get filled up. And uh, I saw the Lord's hands on on the traps underneath things. And I don't I don't really know that this is a corporate word, but for some of you, uh, I just want to encourage you that the the Lord's interested in all that. And uh, so I'm just going to pray for that. And Lord, I pray that you would um, open open up and unblock and cleanse, Lord just the, the debris of life, Lord, so that yeah. there is a good flow, yeah. that water flows freely, yeah. in Jesus' name. Yeah. All right. So, as a prophetic act, if someone were to let me know how many tiles are on the ceiling, um, because... My grandfather was a, was a preacher, and he was always uh, entertaining missionaries. He was a very poor man. He never made more than $4.25 an hour. He was an oil field worker. He built a church uh, pretty much out of his own pocket, and he would not pass the plate. He, his last name was McNary, but he called me Miller. I was his first grandchild. I don't know why he called me Miller. Probably had some sort of distinction there. But he would say, Miller, you just, I put a basket in the back because I don't want to shame. This is back in the 60s. Yeah. I don't want to shame anybody into putting a dollar in the plate. Yeah. The people that are going to give are going to give. And the money that would come in, he paid the light bill, the taxes, and the upkeep. And the rest of it, this is no MO, by the way. This is just what my grandfather did. He supported missionaries. And so he was always hosting missionaries. They were very poor. But he would host missionaries. And he was always having missionaries come and speak. And that's when I learned that there were 243 ceiling tiles. <laughs> um, because I, I, this was back in the days of the, uh, you know, the, the slide projectors. And I would despair of life <laughs> when the second projector came out, <laughs> right? Um, because it was usually, you know, some pretty dry stuff. Um, my grandfather sewed into the nations, and I was the first. And I, I wish you could see. Because then when I went, it was like the bottle uncorked. And I, I think there's been almost two dozen for my family now. And um, wow. some of them have gone so much further than I have. And their, fr their fruit is great. Um, well, I'm supposed to tell some stories. Chuck told me to not hold back. Um, and well, the nice thing is that I have an, uh, an evangelist call. Um, I'm gonna even call it an apostolic 
evangelistic call to the nations. Yeah. Not, not here. So I think a lot of the reasons why real, real evangelists don't get invited to churches because they make messes. <laughs> um, so uh, I think we talked about, Chuck and I talked about, well, we got Matthew here to clean up the mess. So that's, what, that's what pastors do, right? They, they, they do damage control. Um, but this will be different. This will be different because um, I don't really walk in that here so much. Um, I'm going to tell you a few Jesus stories. I hope you all are simple-minded because the testimony of the Lord makes wise the simple. Isn't that something? And we overcome by the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. And so testimony is a powerful thing. I started doing mission work uh, right after Hurricane Mitch, devastated devastated the nation of Nicar Nicaragua back in the fall of 98. And uh, went down there in 99. We, we would walk around where entire villages had been buried and there were people underneath our feet. And there would be, because we would be walking and a rooftop would appear now and then. And it was just a broken, broken, broken place. Uh, every single bridge in the nation was gone. Can you imagine? And by the time I got down there, it was pontoon bridges. Um, I helped build a clinic down there. And it, above the clinic, there was a, a dormitory for, for teams to stay in. And I took a small group down there. This was in 2004. And I knew the doctor, his name was Dr. Anderson. And a, and a young mother had just come and she had a six-month-old baby that had double pneumonia. A temperature of 106. So his little brain was cooking. And uh, she couldn't read or write. It, it was just a clinic. And, and he told her that if she didn't get that baby to Chinandega, which was, and I've been in that hospital. You don't want to be in that hospital. Buckets of blood in the hallway, it's not good, not good. But that, <clears throat> she couldn't read or write, and he, he made her make a mark on a waiver that he had explained to her. This is the deal. And so we'd been out doing evangelism all day, and we came, came back, and, and we talked to Dr. Anderson, and he told us that story. And so I was like, where does he live? And... And he was like, it's too late, you don't need to go. But I had uh, our 14-year-old daughter and another girl. And so we, we started going. And uh, you ever notice how when you go into a town, uh, you get up on the top of the hill, that's where the cool old houses are. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then when you get down low, mm -hmm. this place was in the lowest of the low. We went down, probably from a hurricane, but we went down a road that honestly, a Jeep couldn't go down. And then there's, and the lower you get, then the smells really start to hit you. There's a smell of waste. I'll just leave it at that. 
the smell of waste and it's the lowest of the low and in the lowest and the lowest of the low places there was a dirt house and in the windows all there were were rags there was no door just filthy rags hanging and i could see that there were tiles missing on the roof so this is this is pretty much the bottom of the barrel and there's this young woman and she's holding a six-month-old baby in her arms and the baby the baby's like this i spoke the best spanish which was not good um, and she did not know why we were there uh, she was catholic she was not allowed to go to church because she was living with a man who was not her husband so <laughs> She had no grid for anything. And uh, so I said, Oramos, which was the closest thing I knew to say to we pray, us pray, let's pray. And we put our hands, me and the girls, we put our hands on this little boy. And he was, I've never put my hands on a human being that was so hot. I mean, hot. And as soon as we began to pray, he went cool. Isn't that something? And it gets weird. That little boy lifted his head up and he looked me in the eye and he began to laugh. And he laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. And the whole time, the mother is having a what the heck moment. <laughs> because she's got no grid. Uh, and to be honest, I didn't have much of a grid for that either. Um, I'd, I'd read about it. Um, I, I'd, seen a, I'd seen quite a few people heal, but this was, this was pretty spectacular. Well, it was getting dark, and so I got the girls back to the clinic, and I told the doctor, and he didn't believe me, and I was like, well, you wait and see. Uh, and the next day, this is a fun part here, the next day, we walked into the little town and uh, we bought 50 pounds of rice, 50 pounds of beans, like 50 pounds of cornmeal, you know, five pound bag of salt, 10 pound bag of sugar, jugs of cooking oil, and a few bags of candy. And because we're the gringos, we have an entourage of children following us, so we had plenty of help. And when we got back down to that house, I would, I would not have recognized this mother because of the change in her countenance. And she was beautiful. I mean, she was radiant. And uh, she was bouncing this little boy on her knee. Still have some residual effect from that honoring that I received. <laughs> Well, the little boy's name is Adeen Augustine, and he's about 19 years old right now. Wow. Uh, Amen. So I went in there, and I had an interpreter this time. We brought all this food in, and uh, this mother was radiant. She was beautiful. Inside the house, uh, there was a rock that they cooked on across the diagonal. The house was maybe about, oh, two-thirds the size of the, of the stage. And it was about two, two feet out of level across the diagonal dirt floor. 
couple of wooden posts, and there was a blue plastic chair and two hammocks, and a rock to cook on. So they were they were they were poor. And I sat down and opened up to the Gospel of John and began to read. And you know, the presence of the Lord was pretty thick. Um, Jesus just seemed to be all over this situ situation. I don't think he was too offended that this, uh, this woman didn't go to church or that she was a mess. He loved her and he healed her and he demonstrated remarkably to her. And I, re I the presence of the Lord kept getting stronger and stronger. And then her man came in and her sister came in and they were buying what I was selling. <laughs> that household got saved. Yeah. Uh, you think? Yeah. Uh, I have so many of these stories I can tell. Uh, I try to do that thing where you're not supposed to think about what you're going to say beforehand and just hope that the Lord, sometimes that doesn't work so good. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Um, I'll have to be looking at them for that to make any sense. So I'm, let me tell, uh, let me tell at least one more. A couple trips back in Uganda, <laughs> we're out in the place and, and, and these people are so poor. Um, but we walk into this house, which is, this one's about maybe seven foot by 10 foot, maybe eight by eight, I don't know. And there's a 70-year-old-ish woman that's sitting there, and she does not want anything to do with the gospel. So I said, well, before we go, do you have any pain in your body that I can pray for? And she starts pointing everywhere. And I said, can I pray for you? And like a good, you know, good protocol, I said, she pointed at her shoulder, May I put my hand on your shoulder? No problem. Because that's where it hurt the worst. And when I put my hand on her shoulder, the shooting pain jumped down here. So I said, put your hand there, and I'll put my hand on top. And when I put my hand there, it jumped around to the middle of her back. So what was I dealing with? an afflicting spirit. So I, I had a little team with me and I told them, y'all start praying in tongues. And then I quietly told the thing to leave. One of the things I, I think I'm modeling for my African friends, and it's a cultural thing. There's probably times you need to shout, but the Holy Spirit's not hard of hearing and demons aren't either. And so I just quietly told the thing to leave. And when it left, all the, all the pain left her body. Just, just like that. Well, then she was interested in the Lord Jesus. And, and, I, and I found that to be true. I, I think it was Andrew Womack said that healing, and we can add deliverance to that, it's, it's, it's heaven's dinner bell. It's... Come and get it. Yeah. It's it's a 
it's a spear point when you go into places like that. that you, and that's what Jesus did. That was one of the ways of Jesus. He would go into an area. And I, I, while I'm thinking about it, I'll tell you something else too. Um, I think I told my grandsons, of course, you know, when you use outdated terms, that's one of the joys of being a father or a grandfather is it traumatizes <laughs> your, your children, especially, especially daughters. Um, but I, t I told my, my grandsons that I was, you know, it's starting to feel pretty jiggy with it. Um, so uh, I, 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 started, I started going into these, these places and luckily, no one speak, speak in English there except my interpreters. And I, and I would walk in and with the, with the mindset that I am speaking, I am prophesying into the atmosphere and into the powers that be. I would, and just what Jesus told us to do. I would walk in and I would say, the kingdom of God is at hand. And then I would be so bold to say, because I just walked in. Because we're ki kingdom of God is inside us, right? That's right. That's right. I mean, that, I, I think heaven likes it when you talk that way. Right. Um, and, uh, and if there's any religious spirits in the room, they really don't like when you talk that way. <laughs> um, and that's okay. Um, let's see. That woman received Christ, and when she did, this is probably the single most spectacular salvation experiences I've ever seen. Joy hit her like a ton of bricks. She sprung up off the floor, laughing, singing, <laughs> clapping, dancing around. And I, you know, it's one of those moments where you're thinking, I probably need to get saved. It's <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> This looks good. <laughs> uh, we, were, we were over there, and we went into a place, and there was a woman about 90 years old, and she, her, her, her eyes were almost white with cataracts. Couldn't see. Uh, well, she could see a little bit. You know, that where, uh, you know where the guy, you know, he saw people walking and they look like trees. Jesus had to pray for him twice, which I could say a lot about that, but she thought that my grandson Solomon looked like a god, um, which is kind of funny because when, the, when she was healed, she didn't think he looked like a god anymore. Um, I may have mentioned that to him a few times since then. But her eyes were so milky uh, and we had to sh we had to shout at her too, because her you know she was ninety at least ninety years old, and it was one of the funnest and most spectacular healings I've ever seen. I just reached out and I, I I covered her eyes with my hands, and I prayed. Um, I didn't ask that she be healed. I spoke healing, and uh, that's a pretty big deal. Don't, don't ask the Lord. If you got your hands on somebody, don't ask God to heal them. Say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, pain leave. Then always ask. 
do something that you couldn't do. And if they can't, ask them how, what the, where their pain level's at. And if it's dropped a little bit, say, praise God, the Lord's working. And encourage them, build their faith, and then pray again. In some of these places, I, I, I would linger. I'd sometimes pray over someone for 15 minutes. Just take it and, and tell, tell them there's no pressure here. The Lord's for you. The Lord's with you. And, and uh, we're, we're, we're here. And the Lord, and just one time I saw, we prayed for a woman. She had all, this is a good one. She had all kinds of pain in her, in her, in her leg. And so we started praying and, and uh, the pain left her, her thigh. So we were excited about that. And then the pain left her knee and on down. And all the pain left her leg, except now it was just in her foot and it was jumping around. So what were we dealing with? An afflicting spirit. And I had a young pastor that was with me and I was so happy about it. And I remember looking it up at him and I was I, I, could, I felt the joy of the Lord and I looked up at this pastor and I said this is gonna be easy I said come here and cast that thing out of here and uh, and he had never seen or done or held or felt or smelt and he got down and uh, that boy was praying the paint off the walls I think he prayed for about four minutes and I wanted to say Joshua the thing left as soon as you started praying <laughs> But, but what was cool was there was a woman on our team that I'd never seen before because we were in a different region. She was just standing there. And she'd been having terrible leg pain. And she got splashed. <laughs> or I, I, I'd love to see what's going on in the spirit, wouldn't you? Um, is that just anointing splashing around? Or is there an angel with one hand here and reaches over here? And, uh, but... So this, this uh, I prayed for this 90-year-old woman, and when I took my hand away, I've never seen brown eyes that were brighter, clearer, or more beautiful. Um, and she couldn't hear, you know, so we're still shouting at her, and I was feeling jiggy with it, so I thought, so I, I stuck my fingers in her ears, you know? I was on a roll. And, and, and prayed for, and, uh, and the Lord opened her ears. Where the interpreter's got a real soft voice anyway. Um, never been around loud machines over there, Chuck. Um, they hear really well. We're shouting at one another all the time. <laughs> but she leaned way back away from this woman. She just started to talk to her about like this. And the woman was just nodding and answering, and her ears were completely restored. Meanwhile, there's an 80-year-old woman that's sitting there and watching the whole thing. And so we like look at her, and she, her faith is way up here because she's just watched all this stuff. You know the cool thing about telling testimonies like this? I've seen people getting healed just by listening to testimonies. Yeah, there was a woman, we had a house church in Kansas. I'd never seen her before, she was a girl. Um, she was some 
guy that was working for me and he brought her and, and I'm just telling stories, healing stories. And all of a sudden she blurts out, I can read that word. I had some book, you know, she's like 20 and she makes this proclamation. <laughs> so that's nice. <laughs> and then she keeps pointing and she's so animated and excited, but she was dyslexic. And just listening to testimonies. Wow. That's good. She was healed. She went home, woke her parents up. None of them went to church. Woke her parents up. They threw a party the next day. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That's a good testimony. Good. Yeah. Um, so this this old woman, uh, Muslim woman, uh, she she's sitting there. And, well, she can't lift her arms up because the arthritis is so bad. And she's got shooting pains down here in this lower right quadrant, which any nurses in here would know. There's a lot of real estate comes together down here. I mean, it's just like central and main, everything right here. Shooting pain, that's not good. And so we pray for her. And the first thing I ask her, can you lift your arms? And you see the look of wonder on her face when she lifted her arms all the way up. And my grandson, Solomon, he doesn't know the protocol, so he just <laughs> slaps his 14-year-old hand, you know, right here, and uh, he uh, and he prays for and all the pain left. And this, this woman got up and ran down the street to tell people. Uh, after we'd spent a week in that village, I got a, a, a WhatsApp from Medina and that this crowd of people were going to church that Sunday to testify of how God had healed them. I have so many stories I can tell like this. Honestly, and Matthew can attest, uh, when he was working for me, we didn't get much done. I'll just be straight up with you. It was, it was, a, uh, but we got a lot done. Uh, and and I like being around Matthew because we provoke one another to good works. Let me just tell you something about your pastor. He, on this last trip, he and I only got to minister in one village. We needed to go back to that village because when, when we stepped out of the van, I could feel how hard the ground was. But there's great testimony. I don't know if you, share, if you shared it. Um, but just being with this guy and when he, when he was working with me, uh, I, I would see the hunger and the passion in him for healing. When, when did that start for you? Probably about 2005. 2005, yeah. 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 Anybody else in here have a real passion? Uh, it, it's okay if you don't, but like that, that just trips your trigger. Yeah. All right. Yes. Well, Lord, I thank you for these people. Yeah. 
Lord, I pray for an increase. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I encourage you all to hang out together. Go out and have lunch. Y'all raise your hands high. Look around. Y'all need to have lunch together. And if, since I know everybody has a gift of hospitality, <laughs> invite one another and, and provoke one another. Read scripture. Provoke one another. Challenge one another. Exhort one another. Make each other jealous. There's a godly jealousy. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Well, you did that. You know, and, 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 and you've got a hunger to see that and to see more. Um, I'm going to stop. Uh, but if there's some pictures up here, uh, that's like the cue. <laughs> okay, that's the 90-year-old woman that got uh, eyes open, ears open. Uh, yeah, look at the joy on her face. Isn't that something? Yeah. What do we got next? That's the woman that was watching. That's my grandson's hand. <laughs> down on that lower right quadrant. Um, she's the one that ran down the street. What do we have next? <laughs> as, a, as a granddad, when you see your grandson's knees look like that after a day in the village, You know, he's my fourth grandson, and he's 14, just turned 14, and, and like, there should be like a, a standard, you turn, you turn to a 14-year-old boy in a dictionary, and you should see like a shirt with a hammer coming out of it, just, just a hammerhead, that's, that's what I, they're hammerheads, um, they're really hurting, it's the worst time of life for a boy. 13, 14, have mercy on them. Yeah, they're, they're, they're so trying to figure stuff out. But I, I took that boy, and, uh, and he's got a cousin that's uh, the that's same age, and I took those things. I call them Thing One and Thing Two, Dr. Seuss fans. So it was the same thing that happened when I took Solomon's mother down there when she was 14, because she was one of the girls that had her hand on that six-month-old boy with double pneumonia and 106-degree temperature that Jesus healed. Um, it was, who are you? Because she was a, a wretched child. I can say that. It's true. But when, when, when I got Jessica on the mission field, it was like, who are you? And what have you done with Jessica? Because th I, then I saw who she was. And it was the same thing with Solomon. That ham the hammer disappeared. And, uh, and, and I would have my team, and this is a good thing to do, y'all. I would have my team circle up before we would go in. And we would ask the Holy Spirit for words of knowledge, for intel. How do we pray for this person in here? The Lord's very eager to let you know, by the way. Uh, 
And so I did like a, a two minute lesson on that, two minute tutorial a couple of times. And, and the next thing I know, this 14 year old knothead is flowing in words of knowledge. Isn't that crazy? Um, what's the next picture? Ah, this was a good one. I'm not going to say she was lame, 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 but she was lame, lame. Uh, she, she could get up and, sit and, and, and walk, up, she said she could walk about five feet. One of these. And so, the Lord healed her. I stood her up, and, uh, and in the name of Jesus, I said, walk. And so I, I, was, I had my hand gently underneath her arm, and so she starts doing this. And then the steps got bigger, and the steps got bigger, and then she followed us from house to house. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, that... that and it's like, this stuff is like food for me. It really, it really is. I, 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 listen, y'all. When you, when you, when you're where you're supposed to be, and if it's if it's being a mama and and raising up kingdom warriors, you should feel ten feet tall. You should be. You should. Do, to encourage yourself in the Lord. I'm in my assignment right now. Yeah. I'm 10 feet tall. There's grace for there's grace for this every single day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is a season in my life. Praise God. I am I am sowing into the generations. Yeah. Same thing for grandparents and great grandparents. Um, what's the next one? Ah, that's me hugging her. What's the next one? Okay, now we're in Ghana. This is where the, we're at the Father's house. And I just want to give testimony to the Lord on this one right here. I, I was in Toronto back in 98. And people are laid out. But there was this African-American man walking. And I saw him walking and I said to myself, I'm gonna go give it, give that black man a hug. And when I did, it was that man in the middle, David Benini, and he was he made thirty-seven dollars a month at the time, and he oversaw I think around thirty churches on a bicycle in Ghana. He he was only there because he'd been sponsored by a bunch of guys in England whom I never met, and and it was a God moment. And he invited me to, you know, that was back in the day when the internet was like, huh, -uh. um, and he would call me from a pay phone and that rich, beautiful West African accent with the time delay, you know, it's like he would speak. And so, but he, he invited me to his house, make a very, very long God story short. Um, He's 
been my man of peace on the ground. The one that Jesus tells you to look for. Uh, the guy in blue is uh, it's Matt Garrett, and he was coming to our house church. And when I said that I was going to Ghana, he said, I'm going with you. And we went there with no agenda. It was a miserable journey back then. There was a uh, Ghana Airways was doing the best it could. But I want to tell you something. When you're on a DC-10 that doesn't have an empty seat, and you're on an 11-hour flight, and three and a half hours in, every single toilet's backed up, <laughs> you're suffering. Um, but, and it was, and, and, and Matt and I, we, we would go over there, and, and we kept going, and we had, we had no idea what God was doing. And we would sit there in the airport, you know, on the way home, and we'd look at each other, and we would say, why, why are we doing this? I don't know. But I think we're supposed to keep doing it. And, uh, and it was in that the Lord was building an infrastructure of relationship between the three of us, and um, a lot of good stuff happened. What's the, ne what's the next one? Ah. Isn't that a, isn't that a photograph? That woman... Her name is Clementina, and I visited her, visited her before, and she's the poorest of the poor, poorest of the poor. She sits in the dirt, uh, got a couple of feed sacks that she sits on and sleeps on. You go into her house, there is no furniture, there's no food, there's a couple of yellow, like kerosene plastic jugs that have some drinking water that someone has brought to her. There's no extra clothes hanging on the walls. And you can see what she's wearing and she doesn't smell very good. And uh, we, we, we sponsor her and, and she gets a, like a bag of food a week. So we decided that we wanted to do more for her on this trip, so we we bought some clothes for her, and the women uh, brought warm water and jugs to give her a bath, and they brought lotion, and she wanted a mirror, and we brought a big, beautiful padded mat, and just just the works. And let's see that next next picture. That's her, hopefully. she was so happy <laughs> she looked in that mirror and she said I'm beautiful again um, so what's what's the next one what got another picture uh, this is a video this is at the father's house um, We've got this medical building going up. I've never met the people who are given the money. Just some doctors decided that we needed a medical, medical clinic. Uh, I think two in South Carolina, one in Colorado. Um, and so it's right next to that colorful building is two of the wings of the father's house. Uh, and you're gonna see the view is not that shabby we're the only thing in the area that has uh, water or power. 
the Lord just gave us great favor with the authorities there. But this is a two-story, just, it's just nuts. Uh, let's go to the next one. Yeah, that's from the, that's from the top floor of the Father's house. But I will tell you, it's a that's that's a hard place. It's uh, it's it's like Charleston in the summertime, and the power you cannot depend on it. You can't depend on the water. We spent three months without, basically without power and without running water. Uh, Lori, I'm sorry, honey, but she was in menopause, and she was flat hot flashing. Her reward will be great. Uh, and, uh, and the water was coming out of a hand dug well that if you held it up to the light, you could see things moving in it. Um, so it, it had to be boiled and she's, everything has to be hospital clean with her. So boiling the water and wiping down her cabinets. But I think that's good on pictures. I'm gonna tell them about Naomi House real quick. So everything that happened with the father's house was 100% supernatural. It was never an idea that came into my head. I had a vision. I had a, like, left my airplane seat vision and then came back vision. And I, and I saw the father's house. I saw it sitting on the ocean. Everything, everything about it was divine. I was on my way home from that trip. I had woken up in a, in a Ghanaian clinic that you do not want to wake up in. I'd had a grand mal seizure. I was so disappointed with God that he would allow something like that to happen to me. Because there I was in Africa doing his work and what the heck, what the heck. And so I had my thumb in my mouth. He wasn't impressed by that. Um, and, um, and I had this vision. And even at the time, I thought to myself, well, huh, maybe I'll do that when I retire. But God just started laying these breadcrumbs down that I kept kicking up. I tell people I was stupid enough to keep picking them up because I don't even like to travel. I have a, a hobbit's heart. And so, but anyway, um, so ever, literally, we never saw an orphan over there. I can, I can remember in 2009 walking through this place that was so big and looking up at heaven and saying, God, where are all the people going to come from? Where, where, where are the children? Didn't know. Just build it and they will come, sort of a thing. But meanwhile, uh, I, this a couple trips back when I was in Uganda, just seeing the need and driving around, I started running my mouth and saying things like, "Gotta be careful how you run your mouth." And I started saying things like, "Well, how hard can this be? We just build a place." And, and we'll take care of these widows, and we'll take care of these at-risk girls. And um, I came home, and I started talking to people 
that it's not safe to talk to about stuff like that. People like Jim Hill, people like Byron Wicker. And, uh, and so the next thing I know, I'm like the monkey in the middle here between these, and, and, and the wind is blowing on this. It's completely different than the Father's house. But the, it's gonna be called uh, Naomi's house because I love the story of, of Naomi and Ruth. And I've stuck my skinny neck out. I put a down payment on some land the last time I was there. Isn't that something? Just stuck my skinny little neck out. And uh, it's like, all right, Lord, here we go. But he's really seemed to have put some pieces in place. Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com.